Hello. This is the house on Valencia Street. I'll be your host. I use explicit language. Topics will include ghosts, the paranormal, psychic ability, domestic violence, rape, incest, foster care, emancipation, murder, suicide, uh, let's see, therapy, recovery, enabling, codependency, BDSM, kink, uh, Buddhism, spirituality, uh, atheism, agnosticism, things of this nature. Um, these may be something you're interested in hearing about, so you can go ahead and consent and come on into the parlor. Or maybe it's not quite what you're into, and there's a door. See ya. Uh, have a nice day. Um, I like consent. Consent's a good thing. So uh, it's good to evaluate that and understand sometimes you have choices that you don't know you have. Um, I'm not a professional therapist. This is going to be for legal purposes, entertainment purposes only. Um, please, if you have mental health stuff kicking up, please talk to a therapist or professional. Uh, board certified is great. Uh, and it's always good to check to see if there's any complaints uh, with your state board certification process. You can sometimes look that up online. Um, it's good to check out the pedigree of a therapist and see if they have a, a good history. Right. So anyway, let's see what else. And there's also support groups and books and meditation and prayer and all that kind of shit. There's all kinds of shit out there. Oh, uh, let's see. Let's see. It is, oh, about eight o'clock on a November 20th, 2021. Oh, let's see. Uh, I've had a challenge or two this week, a security issue, and I am researching security cameras, and uh, we're in a new territory because there's a particular neighbor that's uh, been escalating, so... Um, I've been talking to a few different people and getting feedback and, uh, it's, uh, getting everything lined up and documenting everything and it's hard. So, um, but I recognize what this is and I'm glad that I've had some therapy and counseling. Um, and did you know that you can take old cell phones and convert them to security cameras? <laughs> There's all kinds of ways to set up a security camera. I got one running right now. I never had to, I never had security, I didn't have to think about security cameras in that area, but now I do. So, and um, I'm evaluating all kinds of wireless options and security and encryption and all that good stuff. So, well, <clears throat> that's the reality, I suppose. And I'm talking about it here. We talk about it here. Um, it's been difficult. Um, I had a premonition about it too. And I'm going to try not to be too specific. It's just that uh, there's been someone who's been escalating and encroaching and um, doing some boundary tests, and uh, it escalated, and I had to get the property management involved. And <sighs> My perception is that predators don't like publicity. My perception is that uh, predators don't like everybody looking at them, you know. And sometimes if people start doing stuff like that, uh, you have ethics and morals and empathy. And then when someone says, I'm going to deliberately fuck with you and I want to, in a non-consenting manner, make you feel fear. Um, well, we get into a different territory and I follow the law, but there's a lot of simple anonymous things that you can do. <laughs> if anybody's messing with you too much, 
I learned about some of that in IT and actually the rifle range guy. Well, here's a little anecdote. <clears throat> I can't confirm or deny this. This is conjecture. Um, the rifle range guy, I remember one day there was this person in our team that shower named Nameless that was doing unethical things. He was a liar who eventually was uh, carted off in handcuffs <laughs> off of the uh, hardware site, the Fortune 100 hardware site where I was uh, working software uh, a few years ago <laughs> but uh, anyway we were dealing with this guy because he was completely unethical although in the particular fortune 100 company we were working in he fit right in see he was quite successful there for many years and then there was irrefutable proof and that's how they get him it's just like harvey weinstein and, and jeffrey epstein uh, they only going to get him on irrefutable proof until then hundreds of people will be irrefutably damaged uh, and have their lives completely changed because everybody's just fine with it. Right. Which is one reason I'm publishing this podcast. Anyway. Um, I don't know where the hell is going with that other than to say it's, um, it's difficult to manage it sometimes. And um, I like to be a mature woman and go, I recognize that that's hanky. I recognize that that's hanky. I've been taking photographs of weird stuff. This guy's been doing for two months now. And, uh, it was just kind of like that has a plausible deniability, but it's out of place. And why is he staring at the back of that, that tenants doors and windows and for long periods of time, that kind of stuff, you know, predatory kind of creeper. <sighs> And that's the part of living in reality, especially if you want to be autonomous or not, especially if you have less people visiting you or they, they don't think you have because um, you're more discreet. But anyway, well, discreet. Yeah, I guess so. I mean, it's not that I just don't like people knowing my stuff. I don't like people. They don't. Nobody needs to know my business, you know, uh, even if it's just a quiet girl doing meditation or prayer sometimes. Right. But. Anyway, so I'm researching security systems and um, taking back some power and um, considering other options because sometimes being a recluse in the woods is kind of stagnant, you know. And sometimes you get instigated to do something because there's other places to be. For example, I've never thought about living in the tropics. Why not? I've actually been evaluating Mexico because once Social Security hits in, I can live comfortably in Mexico, United States, not so much. Right. So, well, thank you for listening to my, whatever the fuck that was. And, um, I, uh, that's where we're at today and I've been distracted and it's been a lot of uh, energy and having to be forthright and present and, uh, do self care and be assertive, you know, and, um, making sure there's a lot of people who know what, what the score is. And that's the thing, you know, predators don't like PR predators don't like publicity. They don't want their, uh, they don't want to be scrutinized, scrutinized to see. So, um, so a couple no trespass letters and some pictures. And, uh, the ironic thing is, uh, the reason we even have an actionable item is that, uh, his animals, his pets were, uh, cause he had a, he has some pets that were he commands and he he uh, trains and he was doing a boundary test he was letting that person he was letting that dog all over my property and my porch and everything like that and he just stood there and supervised it and didn't flinch didn't didn't say hello just watched for several minutes and i was like okay i'm taking pictures and that's what's going to get the no trespass letter see legally for a tenant and uh, an agency it's not that 
he did other very creepy things, just standing there and staring in the darkness at me. And that, that's what got me to, I have to start taking action and documenting those and getting security cameras. But, um, <laughs> it's, it's funny that legally it's the dog. It's the dog that's going to get me a boundary check on trespassing, not the weird menacing behavior that he was doing <clears throat> to neighbors. So that, um, yeah, that happened. Uh, and so it's real and it's part of living in this country, right? So, and um, I, uh, I'm starting to schedule a couple things. I'm trying to figure out a lot of times it's, you have to send psychological signals. Uh, for example, I'll wear navy blue. Yeah, I'll wear navy blue and pull my hair back in a ponytail, put a baseball cap on and dress like what a cop dresses like, right? Okay. Psychologically, that's sending a signal. Right. You know, even though it's subconscious and I'm not trying to pretend I'm a cop, but if I'm dressing in boots and navy blue and reflective gear and, you know, it's like I'm sending a signal. Right. So anyway, so in lieu of being able to produce some content and put together a theme for a, a show, um, I auditioned for a nationally publicated podcast and um it may or may not get on air but i i'm going to publish it here uh because we're kind of still in flux trying to figure things out we had to cancel some shows because of covid19 we had a couple shows scheduled here in the pacific northwest and they had to cancel them because um of covid19 so um in lieu of that, some, th some projects are kind of in flux, and this particular thing I'm going to share with you next is kind of in flux. It's a story about my foster home, and it's a story about a very strange experience I had <laughs> at that foster home, and um, it's a bit odd, and that's it gets to be odd, um, although it's kind of funny, and it's kind of weird, but that's the way it is, and it's, there's a lot of laughter and strangeness in it, but... Um, so I call this story Key, Key, and um, yeah, I choose a name that I identify as just to be identified. Um, so you're going to hear me identify with the name. Uh, it may or may not have anything to do with my name. <laughs> but it's a pretty name, and I thought, well, I like the sound of that. Why not? So, so anyway. Um, so you're going to hear me say a name, but uh, just to kind of give you a heads up, I, I'm letting you know I, I may have arbitrarily chosen a name to identify with. So because anonymity is kind of nice. I kind of like that. So um, let's see what else. Keep in mind, I've had about seven years of personal therapy and about two to three years of family and partnership therapy. So um, about 10 years total which, so. But I count like seven years, you know, personal. But um, some things that were happening there were inappropriate. Some things I'm describing were inappropriate, although I was a child. So I'm going to describe what happened since it's been 30 or 40 years. Why the hell not, right? So so anyway, um, yeah, all right, let's get to it. Shit. Okay, um, I, I'm kind of dragging ass a little bit. Like I said, it's been kind of a lot of energy this week, and i got to give myself a kudos I turned an old cell phone into a uh, Wi-Fi security camera and uh, I can remotely turn on the uh, floodlight. So that's kind of cool. <laughs> hey, 
you got predators doing anything creepy around you? Well, you can learn stuff. You can go to YouTube. You can go online. You can learn how to convert and MacGyver all kinds of things in order to get you until you can afford the you know the two hundred dollar security you know system. And then you got to figure out if you know. Be careful with uh, some of the mainstream products. Uh, they have a lot. Some of the wireless ones with the big, the real famous ones that are cheap. Well. <clears throat> They have agreements with several police departments uh, that they can uh, pull the data off of those wireless. Is it Bling or Blink? Let's see. Is it Ring? The Amazon ones, uh, they have some contract stuff where they say we can go ahead and access your cameras whenever we want to. Right, so just be careful to read those contracts because if you're going with a big nationally syndicated security system, it looks like a real good in, in price. Chances are they're going to say, yeah, we have access to your cameras whenever we want to. And you got to consider whether you want that or not. See, so, so it's, uh, it's quite detailed. And so I'm just starting piece by piece because I can just buy one camera at a time and, and maybe I'll, I'll set up a box over here and get a PC set up for a server just as a static server to maybe uh, do a cloud for backup or uh, get a, you know, I've got a couple extra hard. Okay. Anyway. I'm trying to design a security system that I really don't want to design that I haven't really needed to design until now. See, so it's like, okay, now we need a security system. So um, uh, while I'm going to be researching floodlights and uh, what else? Oh, by the way, whatever happened this last week that identified that we had to send a no trespass and I got to get security cameras. When push comes to shove, like the, the creeper, I started yelling at him. <laughs> <laughs> he he was inappropriate. He was wrong place, wrong time in the dark watching me. And he was 30 feet from I was like, I just said, what? And I screamed and he didn't flinch. And then I went, oh, he means it. He's a male landowner, white male landowner. Okay. They don't have consequence a lot of times. So I just sat there and he just stared at me. And it was like, and I went, oh, yeah. And then I said, that's completely fucking normal. You don't look like a rapist or a soccer or nothing like that. You're completely normal there. Yeah, that day, but I raised my voice and I was yelling. I was like going, you son of a, I was just going, you oh, you don't look like a goddamn stalker. That's completely fucking normal what you're doing. And then for the first time in months of living next door to me, he smiled at me and he waved and he walked the opposite direction in the dark. He had plausible deniability. Who's walking his dog, see? But to get to where he's at, he's got to walk through a barn, got to walk all this, go to this direction there's a compass direction he has to go to the most furthest edge on the side of his property to get to where he's in a, the only perspective where you can see in the one window that i you can see inside my house you know i keep myself pretty tight around here but it's like he's got to want to get to that little hunter's blind in that tree there so i'm like what but um i'm glad to say that when i got scared and a guy was encroaching I started yelling at him loudly. And by the way, like I said, predators don't like PR. See, so make sure everybody knows what's going on. Uh, that's one way to, cause if you can shame and judge him into like, that's, you shouldn't have been there. That's wrong. And they're going to have a plausible deniability, but if everybody's looking at them, they tend to kind of line up and go elsewhere. So, you know, the thing is you'll never get them nailed. They'll never say, yeah, I'm responsible. Right. So you got to have proof. And I had pictures and proof that I took over a month ago that guess what? He started doing shitty things. It was a little too close. He just kept boundary testing, and I had the proof. And guess what? He's getting a no trespass letter, you son of a gun. Okay. Well, on that note, <laughs> I, it's, I'm scared. I don't want to be doing this. I want to. I want to be comfortable here.
And this is a reality sometimes being a single woman, right? Okay. Why don't I share my name? Why do I make up a name when I'm sharing stuff? You know, I think, you know, so, um, I'm still here and these stories are still here. And, oh, Hey, I talked to a couple of my foster sisters. Or I wrote a couple of my foster sisters and I got response on one and we're kind of stumbling around trying to talk to each other via Facebook, which that's as intuitive as that sounds. But, uh, she's still alive, you know, and we still haven't talked about anything that might've happened at the foster home, but, um, we've established contact and we're building. So one of my foster sisters is in contact with me and her brother's still alive too. And he was there too. So anyway, okay, let's get to the, let's get to the work here. I'm going to go ahead and share this audition tape that I sent to this uh, national a podcast. I was working with this national podcast to get over a million downloads a month and uh, the storytelling podcast, and you can be explicit if you want to, but I'm going to go ahead and share this. And um, I, I've said it about 50 times. I don't get to it. Okay. Uh, thank you for your time. Here's a little story from my foster home and, um, until next week. Um, and at the end of it, I won't do my outro normal, but it'll just be the end of the story. So, all right. 10, four, good buddy. Have a good day. Hello. I'm Christina. I grew up in a town called Walla Walla, Washington. And you're probably familiar with Walla Walla, Washington, if you've watched cartoons that have coyotes and roadrunners in them. Um, uh, also, they have the Walla Walla Sweet Onions, which you might know about those too. They're a paler white, kind of like a cloud, like a white cloud. Um, yellow onions have their own color and pallor, but the Walla Walla Sweet is, uh, it's got a higher sugar content. And I know that because I packed onions that summer, well, one summer, uh, when I was living in Walla Walla on my way to getting out of Walla Walla. That was the goal. Um, but you sit there at that conveyor belt six to eight hours a day, sometimes longer if it was packing season and we had to get all those onions out. And you just move your hands back and forth and you'd feel those onions and they make your hands sticky. Uh, they're different than the yellow ones when you sort those and sift those out, but you'd smell like onions and it'd take a week or two after the season before your hands would go back to smelling like normal hands. Cause otherwise you just smelled like a walking onion. <laughs> Think of that pig pen at a Charlie Brown, kind of like that. You just smell like an onion. <laughs> anyway, uh, so I grew up in Walla Walla, Washington and hmm, there's going to be some hard topics discussed, uh, but it's honest topics and it feels like a relief to talk about honest things here. I just acknowledge things, you know, with the Me Too movement and these predators that are finally having some comeuppance, you know, uh, let's talk about it. Let's listen to it and understand that, you know what, some of us are survivors, incest and rape survivors, and some of us have senses of humor and we survive and we can be both things, right? We don't got to carry the burden for somebody else's actions, right? We can stand right here and say, I'm an incest and rape survivor and 25 to 33% of the population of females in the United States are too, by a couple different studies and estimates. So let's acknowledge truth, shall we? Why well, feel shame, right? So today, well, I'm taking you back to a day in Walla Walla. It's a little bit weird. Something weird happened here that was very, very funny. And I'm still, I don't quite understand what happened there, but it was an intense experience. So we're going to talk about it. It happened in a Mormon foster home I lived in, in Walla Walla. So before I got to that morning foster home, I lived with my mama and um, 
There was a lot of violence in my family, and part of it was because, you know, my family was dirt poor, poverty and socioeconomic demographic matter, and there's a lot of people that don't get opportunities, and we're standing right next to you, and we're going to your public schools too, see? And, uh, well, my grandma Mildred, she, uh, she's been dead long, but she loved her husband, Delbert, and they were from Minnesota, farmers. And my great-grandpa got struck by that, and then my, my grandpa Delbert got struck by that, and, and it's kind of in my family, that whole electrical thing, but they were dirt, for, they were dirt poor farmers, see? And my grandma Mildred was raped by her family, and my mama was raped by her family, and I was raped by my family all down the line. And um, we were told not to talk about it, and our perceptions were questioned, and we had PTSD and trauma because we were formed around violence and rape, see? And everybody kind of seemed just fine with it, you know? I can remember being hip high to my stepdad, who was a supervisor at the post office in Walla Walla. See, he was a submissive kind of power. He was an indirect kind of power because he controlled your mail, and he could read your mail. And he did steam open letters sometimes because he was a predator, that one. So mom married a man thinking he was with the bee's knees, but turned out he was a bad man, that supervisor at that post office. And they were together about 10 years or so, but she couldn't get away from him, see? And she tried to get other men to be with the kind of protector, but it never worked out. And mom had to move out of state to get away from this particular predator. And uh, statistically, you're talking one in six, one in seven on the overall population, depending on the study you look at. Uh, between 15 to 18 percent of the United States population is going to have some form of empathy disorder or narcissistic. People talk about narcissism these days, uh, which could be a sidestep on some things. But cluster B, um, I don't have a diagnose. I can't diagnose. I don't have my board certifications. But um, I study this stuff because I study predators and I want people to be informed. Because I know there's poor girls out there like me, poor boys out there too. You get a couple books, you hang out on a Saturday at the library, you can find out all kinds of things. Okay, one one theory, one one opinion. So here we are, we're in Walla Walla. I'm 15. I realize it's time that I need to leave my home because it's just too violent. And this particular stepdad, I think, wanted to rape me. And I couldn't have words for it at the time, but I learned later. Mom talked to my aunt, and yep, that was the case. So... I tell the adult family services, I called, I walked into them on my lunch break because I was working downtown at a bank in Walla Walla, and I timed it because I had a 30-minute lunch break, and I had to walk over in my cheap Kmart shoes and my Goodwill clothes that were scratchy, but they looked business enough, and I was pretty enough. I guess it was okay. People thought I was a secretary, and I guess I could do the work. I have imposter syndrome, you see. So, um... <clears throat> So I get over to Don't Family Services, and I say, I think I need a home, and I don't quite know how to approach it. And a couple of caseworkers that came in and talked with me, they were confused because they thought I was the adult. I'm like, are you the child? Are you a mother? They're like, no, I'm the kid. And they're like, but you look like an adult. <laughs> it took about six months of going back and forth on that, but Mom finally came around, and she uh, later made amends and got therapy. And one of the biggest possessions or the biggest accomplishments in my life is healing the relationship I had with my mother through therapy and counseling and decades of time. In the last 10 years of my mother's life, and she's been dead 15 years, she was my best friend. And uh, we earned that. She had a kooky sense of humor. Thank fuck. I don't think we would have survived what we lived through without that. She's funny as hell. Anyway, so here we go. Here we go. Um, and so I just say gratitude. I love my mama.
Mama's named Darlene. See, she's been dead 15 years. So uh, here we go. It's time for me to go. This isn't going to work out. I see. And uh, I rolled up on this big old home. Now, this I was told by the cop, the caseworker, this is the home. This is the deluxe home to go to. See, this is the best. This is I'm the envy of the foster kids. This is the best foster home in Walla Walla. Has a swimming pool. See, swimming pool. So uh, I remember walking into this normal looking house. It had big trees over it and walk up the stairs and go in the front room and there's wood paneling and on the wall there was these long horn bull steer rack of horns and it was like six feet long or longer. They were long. And uh, there was a rack, some elk rack too, because I guess my foster dad liked to hunt, see? Now these people are dead too. That's Betty and Everett. They're my foster parents. They've been dead a long time. And um. Yeah, big couple. They look like mountains of people. Uh, Betty was shaped like that goddess of Dusseldorf or Willendorf. Or, she was curvy. Let's just put it that way. She was shaped like a cello, and she was ovals and curves. And I'm going to share this part with you because it's going to be coming up later. Uh, Betty had breasts that were about the size of her head, okay? And her breasts were huge. I mean, she had to get specially made bras in addition to being a Mormon, you see. Uh, Mormons have special underwear that's part of their religion. I learned a bit about that because one of the only ways I could get out of the house was either academics or the church, see? So uh, you had to kind of nod and say, uh-huh, when you're going, I'm a feminist, I'm a liberal, I'm a bisexual, I'm going to be a dominant sexually later in BDSM and kink. I'll shut the hell up to have room and board, but I think you're full of shit. That's what I was thinking in my head, see? But I digress. So anyway, I'm sitting here tight, biding my time. They're doing all these IQ tests on me, too, because I have a freakishly high IQ. Uh, 147, 153, somewhere in that range, depending on the test and depending on the dean and psychology and all that crap. They tested me because I was poor and I was a girl, but I was a foster kid and I had a genius IQ. They couldn't figure that out. And it was like, well, why don't you ask my AP English teacher or my speech and debate or my chess club person or, uh, you know, knowledgeable academic decathlon. They'll give you some information. <laughs> Mixed ensemble. 100 concerts by 18, overperforming, bit of a perfectionist, see, trying to find a parent, didn't have parents right then, but had some skill, just didn't know what the hell I was doing, just, I was doing it all, I was going to eat the whole world, I was going to conquer it all if I could, at least uh, as far as I could, as best I could, my GPA was for shit, but I was getting beat and raped, and I was living in a foster home, so what the hell, anyway, here we go to the foster home, now this is a whole different kettle of fish, because uh, this is fun, this is a party house, see, He's a party predator, Everett. Um, he had a type. I wasn't his type, thank God. But I'm going to be confused talking about this because I love these people. And there was also a predator here. And this is also before a lot of therapy and counseling and responsibility on some shit. We're learning about how to talk about our experience, strength, and hope, right? As a 12-stepper say. So I'm going to tell you about a particular morning with uh, Betty and Everett, who like to have a swimming pool. And they take us every Friday night to go for roller skating. And you could earn your chores and you could earn your allowance. And then you could go for the roller skating rink. And, oh, that slick cement and those rubber wheels. I could just move all over the place. I felt like I owned that place. I could go backwards, go forwards. And I was learning I was athletic when I was wearing those Sarah jeans that sparkled. This is the late 1980s, after all. Anyway, Everett liked to watch us move, see. That's why he had a swimming pool and he liked to take us roller skating. You take him to Snake River, take him all over the place. I'd stay and stay with one of the other foster homes during their vacations because they spontaneously went on vacations all the time. Take the kids out of school, go travel and shit. 
that was nice. Go to the, see the, the zoo, go to Portland Zoo, go see everything, go see Al Seahawks. And sometimes, you know, uh, Everett liked to molest a daughter or two, and that was sad for me. But I'm acknowledging it. Uh, I have mixed feelings. Uh, he needed therapy, and I'd like to confront him, but he's long dead, so. But this Saturday morning, I was sitting on the couch, and it was Saturday. I know it was Saturday because Sunday she'd be at church. And it was about 8 or 9, and I had to get up 5 every morning to go take a shower because when you live with uh, 8 to 12 people, it fluctuated. Uh, we had one kid come in. She had her baby. Uh, yeah, she was. She slept on the couch for the, about 6 months because that's where we had a bed for her. Um, but anyway, it was a Saturday morning, and I was kind of the right-hand person to Betty when Everett was out of town trucking and stuff. And he could fix that big old van that he'd, we'd sh ship all the 8 to 12 people of us in this huge van. And it was a huge old van like that Scooby-Doo van, right? But it was kind of falling apart, and Everett could fix stuff. That's why he's a trucker, so uh, he could fix that old van. And we wasn't using seatbelts. It was fucking illegal. There'd be times I'd be driving beside Betty. He'd be off trucking, and she'd get a flop sweat because she's going through menopause. Her glasses would just go fog, and she'd be cleaning off her glasses. I'd be handling my hand on that steering wheel going, this is safe, right? Okay. So then Saturday morning, Betty's on the other end of the couch, and uh, it's a huge couch. It looks like a big old sleigh. It's avocado green because, you know, shag carpet and such, right? Wood paneling. Oh, yeah. So anyway, Betty's on the other side there, and she talked about her breast cancer and she's drinking her coffee. She always had a pot and that was right next to the chore list. And that was right next to the uh, menu list because we had different meals. For example, I had hamburgers once a week for about six months until they switched out the meat. And I said, Betty, what is this? It don't taste good. And she goes, well, that's hamburger. I was like, what have we been eating? She goes, venison. <laughs> been eating venison for six months. Didn't even know. And it was longer than that. So it's Saturday morning. And Betty's sitting on the couch, and it's August. It's hot already. It's about 8 or 9, a walla walla. It's going to be a 100-degree day Fahrenheit. The window shades are open, and she's on this long couch, and she's sitting there wearing her nightgown, and she goes, oh, with the breast cancer and such, I get, like, these hot sweats, and it's I think it's because of the chemo that I went through. And I remember she'd been walking around in her nightgown. It was zipped up to her collarbone, and I was like, some mornings one side be flat, some morning one side be, they'd be full. And I, I didn't want to say anything because I was a foster kid and I, you know, but she talked about her breast cancer and I didn't know she had breast cancer. And I was like, what? And I remember looking up at the ceiling and as I did that, I looked down and this huge bowling ball thing was coming at me. Now, unbeknownst to me, she'd reached in her bra and pulled something out, see? And this gelatinous, tan-colored, shaking silicon thing, like eclipsed the sun coming through the window. And I didn't know what it was because it was like went through the sunlight and the sun was in my eyes. And before I understood what it was, she threw this huge thing at me. It splatted on my neck and it was wet and warm like the inside of her bra. And it slid down my chest and it went down on my lap. It flopped down and it was in my hands. And I was like, ah, what is this? She goes, well, that's my titty. <laughs> I was like, what? What? She goes, yeah, that's my fake titty. And I, and I looked at it because it had seams and it was expensive. It cost thousands of dollars and it was sweaty and gross, but it was her breast. And then I understood that she had had breast cancer. And that was the morning I learned about that, see? <laughs> now, they took me down to the Greyhound bus station when I finally left. And they got a, I got a picture of me at that Greyhound bus station and my foster mom piling me up with about eight foster kids. And I was unusual, see? They hadn't sent anybody off to college. It was very rare for a foster kid to graduate high school 
and it was extremely rare for college like me. But they piled me up on that Greyhound. I went back up to Pullman, Washington, and I went through my check-in, and they gave me a silver-looking key. It was probably nickel. I walked up to a boxy room and a room full of other boxes, you know, a big old building. But I closed the door and I locked it and I sat on that twin-size bed and I looked at that key. And that key was freedom. And that key meant I could close that door and nobody's coming in. And I earned that key. And I had to go through hell to get that key. But I tell you what I also had to go through. <laughs> I had to make it through my foster mom's fake titty to get that key in my hand. And I was grateful for it. I was grateful for all of it. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate you.